a reading from the second chapter of Colossians, beginning with verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in Him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with Him in baptism, you were also raised with Him through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with Him when He forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I will be focusing on the Colossians text this morning. I hope that will be clear from the sermon. But you never know, so I thought I'd tell you ahead of time. (laughs) I have noticed a bit of a trend over the last decade or so that I think relates to the Colossians text we heard this morning. It involves a word that is growing in its usage in a certain way. My first notice of this new-to-me pattern came in the form of a Facebook meme. I think meme is a curious word. I had never heard it before I got on Facebook, so I assumed that it was something that some Facebook person created. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Did any of you know what a meme was before you got social media? Me either. No clue. Well, here's what I found out. According to Merriam-Webster, the word was coined by the British scientist Richard Dawkins, who is also known for being an atheistic critic of religion, Christianity in particular. He just kind of hates us. I would say he's pretty much hell-bent on destroying Christianity. Dawkins defined meme, made the word up, and defined it as a unit of cultural transmission. Apparently, he wanted the word to sound like gene, which is a unit of physical trait inheritance. The Webster Dictionary says a meme is an amusing or interesting item or genre of items that is spread widely online through social media, which is mostly where I observed this trend, that and when celebrities attempt to be philosophical about life, the trend that I'm going to tell you about, not memes now, so hold on to that. 
The second definition of a meme gets closer to the trend that I have mentioned. It reads, an idea, behavior, style, or usage that spreads from person to person within a culture. And you know they do it pretty quick, don't they? Especially if it's about somebody that you don't like. This is what I see happening with the idea of a personal universe. The word universe is beginning to be used in strange ways, at least to my science and faith-loving brain. The first time I noticed this was in the form of a meme on Facebook, which one of my former parishioners shared. I don't remember the exact language of the meme, but it suggested that she didn't have to be concerned about anything or worried about anything or worried about not having what she might require for life Because, get this, the universe was going to take care of her. It sounded like something you would read in in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6. Except where you would expect to find the word God, the word universe had been substituted. The meme had gone viral, and she, a very mature Christian, do you hear me? This was not someone who was unaware. A very mature Christian shared it without noticing the problem. The notion is becoming ubiquitous, and it has camouflaged itself in a way that even a Christian versed in the language of our faith could read right over it, and she assumed that the meme said God. And she shared it a theological and a scientific heresy. She passed on to her friends in a matter of a click. That copier printed my sermon front and back again. At times, dear ones, I feel that we are being encouraged by the political and entertainment world, and regrettably by some people in positions of authority and less than orthodox parachurches, to let this kind of language be our new norm of talking about God. To not name God in a specific way, lest we should offend someone. So an infinite array of matter and energy called the universe has become personified as an acceptable concept of transcendence, much in the same way that people who object to filet mignon are personifying cattle by making little stickers that said, Hi, my name was Stacy, please don't eat me, and putting them on the little meat counter packages. Have y'all seen those? You will. I've seen one. We're being influenced by the culture, caught up in it. Or maybe we should use the text, the text word. Maybe we should use Paul's word and say that we are under threat of being captivated by the culture. Of taking captive by an idea that doesn't belong to us. So much so that we risk to offend it. And then perhaps subconsciously we share a meme that represents our trust In the providence of Almighty God, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
We read it and think that that's who it's talking about. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're quick to share this meme that we think demonstrates our faith in God, but substitutes the word universe. And because we believe that everybody has our best interest in hearts, we click share, send it to everybody. And really what we're doing is helping it to be more palatable to, palatable to people who have rejected the gospel of Jesus. The influx of the substitution of the word universe for God is an attempt to make transcendence and spirituality more palatable to people who have rejected Jesus. And maybe to be avoid being shamed by people who think they're smarter than all of us ignorant Christ followers. Now, I don't want you to get confused. I'm not jumping into the so-called culture war that the media channels have invented. It's a farce cooked up by news outlets, the powers and principalities of this world, the rulers of this dark age, as Paul says, and the spiritual powers who are attempting to hide their true purpose which is to take humanity captive and cause us to hate one another, to be ashamed, to be fearful or even hateful toward the God of Israel's promise of salvation through a crucified Savior. Just as Paul told us long ago, the world hates a dying Savior. It doesn't have anything to do with creating an unrighteousness or a spiritually impoverished, failed, promised land of USA, as a fundamentalist might claim. The effort is to destroy the credibility of the gospel itself. To make us look stupid. And then to take captive the adherents of that gospel and convince us that saying the universe will take care of me is the same as saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will remember us. The attempt is to take us captive so that the gospel itself can be eradicated. I think and maybe I'm a nut job for saying so, but I think our culture is conditioning us away from saying God and meaning the God of Israel. We're being conditioned away from saying that we are followers of Christ or followers of the way and are being encouraged to say that we are instead spiritual which has no reference, no object of our faith, but some vapid sense that there's more out there than us, and that that qualifies as a kind of new pseudo-Christianity. And somehow personifying the universe has become the casual atheist new course of religion. It belongs to all the other new ageism and recycled Gnosticism that prizes spirit above matter. I wish I could say that these things were not infecting mainstream Christian faith, but they are. Some of the tenets of Gnosticism are being pressed upon us because people seem to have lost faith in the power of Almighty God to raise the body from the dead. 
And you can go to a funeral now, a modern Christian funeral, and hear nothing about the resurrection of the body. Some of it is pushed by prosperity and word of faith preachers who would have us pursue the things on the master's table instead of the master himself. Some is pushed by people who want something in their lives to make them seem less shallow, but they sure as heck don't want to commit to a Jesus on a cross. They want something to make them seem less shallow and less prideful, but they don't want anything to do with a Savior nailed to a tree. The culture seems to be adopting an unscientific idea in a very scientific age of the existence of a hive mind, metaverse, benevolent consciousness as God and calling it the universe. It's pagan pandeism and pantheism all over again. The church has seen this before. It's hidden in a sliver of something that sounds like the truth. The Creator has become the universe, this philosophy says. Ironically, at this time when science has discovered that the Big Bang was potentially not an explosion of a pinpoint of matter, but an explosion of energy itself, because energy and matter are interchangeable with each other in ways that I don't understand what they're talking about. But apparently, where we have arrived is let there be light might be accurate. But people are ignoring that possible evidence for a creator in favor of an ancient myth called pantheism. So the author of Colossians, who I continue to believe Paul, responds in a recounting of what may have been a hymn of his church in that time. And it says these words about the eternal Son. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him and all things in heaven and earth were created. Things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things and in him all things hold together. That is what we are in danger of being pulled away from. Not by science, but by nonsense. The Creator has not been subsumed into the creation. The universal elements or the universe itself are not the God of Israel. Yahweh is not the universe. So Paul would tell us to be careful not to be drawn away, not to be taken captive, and so be taken away from the Creator and the cross by platitudes and empty deceit, by vapid spiritualism that is not rooted in Jesus Christ, but thinks that a crystal can change your life. He would see us resist the easiness of religion and cling instead to Christ. He would see us be captive to Jesus, captive to the new reality that was once called the way. This is no call to hope in a disembodied future, relieved of the trappings of the moral law, but a physical, whole life of body, soul, and spirit, captive to the risen Christ, loving God and loving our neighbor and walking in Christ in righteousness, 
holiness, and in his victory over sin and death. Paul is not inviting us to a new systems of rights and rules and practices designed to make us feel affirmed, to feel better about ourselves, or transport us into a transcendent experience of the universe. He's not inviting us into a system of behavior designed to make us acceptable to a God, to the universe, or to the giant spaghetti monster, if that's what you're interested in. Consequently, if you need to do a wedding soon, you can log on to their website and they will ordain you and you can do that wedding. He's inviting us to walk with Christ. To be captive to and captivated by Jesus. We are not being called to anything other than that. We are not being called to a greater spiritualism, but a renewed whole life. A body, soul, and spirit relationship with the risen Christ who conforms us to his own image. We are being renewed, he says, in the image of our Creator. But we are living in a time that seems content with any nonsensical spiritualism, as long as it doesn't imply that we have, that we live and move and have our being in the God of Israel. And so Paul says, He Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, the Christ, He is the image of the invisible God. In Him, all things in heaven and earth, that includes the universe, by the way, just in case you need to let somebody know. He, in Him, all things were created. All things that have been created that were created for Him and through Him, including you and me. And in Him, the fullness of the Creator God was pleased to dwell. And through Him, God was pleased to reconcile to Himself all things, whether in heaven and in earth. And how? How did God do this through Christ Jesus? Paul continues by saying these words. By making peace through the blood of the cross. And this, dear ones, is what offends the culture. May God forbid that it would ever offend us. There is no other access to a higher spiritual plane. There is no other mysticism. There are no good vibes that can save you or change what's going on in your life. This is the truth. This is the gospel that Paul serves. It is the gospel that I serve. And as our bishop at an an annual conference a few years ago He said to us, to all of us preachers, if this isn't the gospel you are preaching, then what gospel are you preaching? Because there is no other. There is no salvation apart from the cross, no philosophy that can save us. Even those Gentiles that Paul says in Romans, lived under a burden to do good, will be counted righteous, he said, not by what they have done, but because of what Christ has done. Because of his suffering, his cross, his resurrection. And so we must never allow ourselves to be taken captive by clever tricks, clever words, feigned accusation of ignorance, empty deceit, or philosophies that attempt to separate the creation from its creator or salvation from the cross of Christ. 
We must not give in to thinking confined to the mores of a society whose God is the belly. Our culture's God is not the God of Israel. It is desire. So we are reminded, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Or better translated, continue to walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. To avoid being shaken by every wind and every deceit that comes along or every new idea that is put forward as some new so-called liberating truth, we must walk in Christ. We must move about in Him. We must be rooted in Him so that we might not be ripped up or blown over by the shifting winds of a culture or even the rejection of our loved ones who say to us, how can you cling to that meaningless myth that has been disproved so many years? We must be built up in Jesus. Like walls, he says, that are solidified to withstand the bombardments of the enemy. Why is this necessary? Because the world doesn't need to hear that the universe will take care of it. The world needs to hear that there's a Savior. What the world needs is the gospel of Jesus Christ, not weak promises that fate will work things out in the end. We are called to be rooted and built up in the person of Jesus. He himself is the kingdom of God, and as we are in him, we are in the kingdom. As we are in Him, we are in the Creator. As we are in Him, we are in life itself. We have nothing to fear from being steadfast. We have been buried with Jesus in baptism, Paul says. We have been raised with Him through faith in the power of God. We who were once dead in our trespasses have been made alive in Christ Jesus. That cannot be changed. Our trespasses have been forgiven. The trap of old religion, the keeping of score, the keeping of right and wrong has been destroyed. The record against us, all of those check marks in the bad column of the scoreboard have been nailed to the cross. Our failures have been put to death on the cross of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, triumphant in His suffering and death, has turned His own humiliation into a victory parade before His enemies with us dragged along in His train. It's enough to make me cry with gladness. Why in the world would I exchange that for something called the universe? Why would I exchange that for good vibes? How could we allow ourselves to be distracted from a truth so free and beautiful as that? Dear ones, don't settle for something less. Don't settle for vain, rule-keeping religion, thinking if you get enough checks in the good box, you'll be okay. Okay. 
but instead embrace the cross as true freedom. And embrace the invitation to joyful obedience in Christ. Allow yourselves to be rooted and built up in Him. God will do this work in you. It's not something you have to do yourself. All that's required of you is that you trust Him to do it. May the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit work within us, dear ones, that we might not be taken captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. Indeed, dear ones, I pray that in the mercy, grace, and power of Almighty God, we will all be captive to and captivated by the crucified and risen Christ Jesus. Amen.